Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Three MTSU professors have written an article about a way some second graders learned all about pollination and the importance of bees to the ecosystem. Doctors Jeremy Winters and Tracy Huddleston, both education professors, and Dr. Katie Schrote, an assistant professor of elementary education, chronicled the kids' reaction to integrated units of study as the means of delivering lessons. We'll explore this teaching method after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU's Board of Trustees voted unanimously September 14th to support efforts to gain state permission to remove Confederate Lieutenant General Nathan Bedford Forrest's name from its Army ROTC building. The board's action endorsed President Sidney McPhee's desire to remove the forest name from the structure, which he said, quote, distracts from the values, goals, and priorities we share as a modern, inclusive, and comprehensive university. The board said the vote underscores McPhee's desire to reapply to the Tennessee Historical Commission for a second time to ask for a name change. The commission rejected McPhee's first attempt in 2018. And when it comes to getting the straight facts about COVID-19, MTSU's health and wellness students have an advantage. Three sections of health and wellness, or health 1530 classes, were treated to lectures full of the most up-to-date information from Department of Health and Human Performance Assistance professor and epidemiologist Kaylor Stone. Stone's recent presentations were based on questions submitted in advance by some 90 students and was created in collaboration with his wife, epidemiologist and fellow HHP faculty member Katie Stone. Using data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the World Health Organization, and research from peer-reviewed academic journals, Kaylor Stone covered how the virus spreads, how it mutates, its impact on the human body, and the best practices for treating it and avoiding infection. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Katie, Jeremy, and Tracy, thank you for all being with us here at the same time via the magic of video conferencing. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank thank you. you. First, let's start out by saying what is an integrated unit of study and what are the benefits of using it in teaching? Well, that's a great question and a, um, with a, a loaded answer for you too. So let's just sort of start at the beginning with, with our project and our expertise. You know, And, and um, Dr. Schrote is with literacy and Dr. Winters is with, with math. And then I do teach the social studies, but I, um, we all teach integration within each of our content areas that we teach. You know, that we all have that same philosophy that, that topics, et cetera, are not learned in isolation. They're learned connected to other things. So, you know, when you think of day-to-day life, even, you know, when we're cooking, we're not just doing one content area at a time. When we're gardening, when we're, you know, et cetera. So we um, love doing projects with students where many different areas of the curriculum are integrated within that particular content area or that particular topic. Um, and so for this, this particular project, it was the study of bees. Um, and we integrated all different content areas within that one project. So um, the value of it is that the students get to apply their skills, you know, and in this case, second graders um, were applying their specific skills from many different content areas into this particular project. 
these were kids, uh, and they just happened to be at a school in the Murfreesboro City School System. How did they use these units over the course of a three-day period? Yeah, so we kind of took our three, loosely, we took our three content areas and put them in a three day. So the first day we started with literacy because we wanted to kind of anchor everything in um, the information, like the nonfiction text. So we took um, a picture book that was nonfiction picture book about what if there were no bees. So it kind of poses this essential question like, what 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 have we done to make the bees mad that's what we kind of say esteemed bee why are they mad is you know is why do we need bees what if they were gone could we do something to help this so we're kind of posing the question um and we're putting the uh, foundation of the um, content so we use interactive read aloud on the first day um where we would talk and stop every time we were reading and the kids were super engaged. It was really fun to see them talking and they have some knowledge about bees, but I don't think they had really thought um, about, okay, well, what if there were no bees and kind of the impact that bees make? So that was um, the first day. And then they, they uh, made some posters that were advocacy posters. So that kind of um, set the tone um, for the foundation. And then we moved into the next day, which was math. So I'm gonna let, shoot that over to Jeremy. Yeah, so, you know, in these units, of course, one of the things that we want to do is make sure we are actually covering the um, the standards that are at the grade we're working with, you know, so it's not just, <clears throat> this is a fun project, you know, and, you know, this is fun for the students to do, but also making sure that what we're covering is the curriculum that the teachers are to be covering. And so, in terms of, of math, we actually did really a, a STEM day where we integrated um, technology, some design and build ideas of engineering and mathematics. And so um, during this day, the, the students were given a problem of trying to navigate a robot that looks like a bee. It's actually called a bee bot across a board from um, the start position to a, a beehive while trying to pollinate flowers and avoid predators. And so we kind of got into the idea of uh, pre uh, predators in terms of you know, what might harm the bee, talked about the pollination, and then the coding came in. And so the coding is, uh, the question was dealing with, they wanted to travel in the least uh, amount of um, inches. And so they, first of all, played with the bee bot a little bit, kind of got to know the, the coding and so, this is a, a block coding robot where on the top, you would push different buttons, you push go, and then the robot does whatever you put in. So part of the first initial learning was the students had to figure out, you know, exactly kind of the different moves because some of it's con uh, contradictory to what they were thinking, how far a move is. Um, they had to figure out that once they enter a code, if they didn't delete it, it retained all the code. So some of the students would mess up, put new code in, and what they found out is it actually had the old code and new code in there. So part of that was learning and playing with coding. And then in terms of the math, they were trying to figure out how to minimize the path of the bee. And so along the way, they got points for flowers they pollinated. They got points taken off for um, predators that they hit along that particular bee board. And so in the end, we looked at what the most efficient path would be and how the students did. And so there was a lot of adding and subtracting within the standards that they 
awkward to cover. About how big is a bee butt? Uh, it, it's a basically, I mean, it would fit in your hand. It's about about the size of maybe a grapefruit, Okay. roughly. Tracy, I'll leave the rest of it to you. Unit number three. Okay. Sure, sure. Our, our third day was when we when we got to integrate, if you will, our university students in with what we were doing. Each day we had them involved. We have a class that's on curriculum integration. So we had them integrated, you know, with us as well. And they helped to participate in each of the days. But on the third day, we let them take a, a specific topic or area that branched off, if you will, from from bees, you know, the benefits of the bees. We had a guest speaker come in um, that was, um, say that word for me, Dr. Winters. <laughs> the, the, the ep, ep, apiarist, is that yeah. right? <laughs> apiarist. <laughs> anyway, a professional Apiary. bee person, yes, <laughs> yes. So she came in and brought in things and that was one whole center. So um, they were tasty, you know, had uh, how many tastings. And so anyway, our students, developed the lessons and we divided up the second graders with our, our graduate students, our, our university students, and they, the students rotated around to those centers um, and learned more about the bees and applying the bees and difference between a bee and a wasp and, and et, et cetera. So we had, had different, different areas that way. So it was, um, it was a, it was a great three days, you know, of lots of different types of integration going on. The apiarists brought real bees in there, but they were within some sort of a glass enclosure, right? They brought a pain, one of the pains that they had. Yes, one of the pains. Students got yes, to observe. Sure. Did, did the university students have as much fun as the kids did? Yes, absolutely. They did. They did. That's that's still one of the things that they talk about, you know, when as they're graduating, moving through the program and we have them reflect on different things that they've learned. That's always one of the highlights. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guests are Drs. Jeremy Winters and Tracy Huddleston and Dr. Katie Schrote, all from the Department of Education, talking about integrated units of study and how that helps uh, certain second graders, about whom they wrote, learn about bees and pollination, and uh, also helping education students at MTSU learn about how to teach because bees are not exactly the most cuddly creatures in the world. You may have seen them and think you know what they do, but you can't exactly hug it the way you can a doggy or a kitty. I didn't know that the bees were, I didn't know that anybody was mad. The why does the bee seem mad question. I didn't know that anybody thought he was mad unless you irritated him and he stung you, but 
you know, that's nature. Uh, what is the waggle dance and did any of the kids try to mimic it? I'll answer this one because I did the waggle dance. Uh, <laughs> it was fun because once you start thinking about bees or, you know, we start planning this, suddenly all over, you know, our internet and our phones and stuff, there's like, you notice there's bee stories out there everywhere. And they're actually very interesting um, little creatures. So they can communicate um, with each other by by doing this little waggle dance where they shake their little bee butt, for <laughs> lack of a better word, and they actually have a, some math going on too. They turn um, and their body is pointing like it's like a like a line, an angle to the sun, and it's pointing the other bees to where they have found pollen. So it's like, hey, buddies, over there, if you go this way, you're going to find um, some pollen. And so, yes, all of the kids, of course, participated in the waggle dance. We watched um, a video of, uh, you know, a bee doing the waggle dance and then they did it too. So um, that was a definitely something they learned, I feel like was new content for them, for sure. You know, they may have known some other things about pollination, but um, that was kind of an, a fun fact that they latched on to. Did they want to take the bee bots home? I, they, the, uh, a lot of them really enjoyed that part of it. Um, you know, so getting the program, but, you know, uh, I've been using a lot of robots in, in schools recently. So they, they had previous experiences with other types of robots, but not the B-Bot in that particular grade. I think it was like other teachers too, you know, kind of walking by, seeing what's going on. Oh, well, I want to borrow those. That seems like it's a good idea. <laughs> I was just going to say that actually through a grant, we were able to purchase uh, basically a classroom set. We have 24 B-Bots that is housed in Murfreesboro City Schools that different teachers check out now. And they use our um, our B task in order, um, you know, in different schools around the system. Were people surprised that you could use bees as a focal point to teach math? Because it might seem counterintuitive. Mathematics is not the first thing you think of when you think of bees. You know, I, I, the the school we worked with, they do a lot of integration. They're actually a, a um, you know, they're STEAM accredited now. And so I think that they are in that for them, probably not so much. Um, I think maybe more so the students were just surprised in all the different, you know, content areas that came out, um, speaking about the university students and all the different content areas that came out from just a simple subject as bees. It stretched the MPSU students um, to think creatively and think beyond what you know, just a simple, okay, what is a bee, you know, label the parts of a bee. I feel like a lot of, you know, teachers when they're first learning how to plan or uh, pre-service teachers, that's what they think of. But we had to stretch them to think beyond that. So we even had a, a student who um, talked about centrifugal force because that's how you get the um, honey off the comb, you know, and things like that. So they had to learn themselves some new content uh, that really helped them connect and make new, um, exciting lesson plans. To piggyback on that as well, um, Jenna, is that another way we take this further, even with the university students, is 
we, we don't want to lock them into to just second grade. And so then we take it, you know, it's okay, so how could you do these same things, but take it for say fifth grade or fourth grade. And we go through all that brainstorming and looking at um, the standards that are expected in each of the content areas and seeing how we can, can enhance this um, particular project for other grade levels as well. How, how do you assess how much the kids learned over the three-day period? So we actually, we did do a pre and post test um, with the students. We also had lots of different kind of formative assessment um, items we did along the way. So for instance, with the, the coding day, we, they had to do um, some estimation. There was some pre-writes that they had to do about um, what they would do. They had to pre-code. So basically they had to write the code that they were going to do before they actually ever did it and then compare and contrast with the actual code. And we, at the end of um, our three days, we looked at all that information. And so looking at how they did on the pre versus the post test. And, and the test actually, the, the pre post tended to be pretty traditional, you know, but in terms of what we did, it was not traditional. And the students still were very successful in the post test without having to sit there and like um, Dr. Huddleston said earlier, just sit there and basically, you know, memorize the different parts of the B and um, some different things. So the students were able to go really in depth and, and at the end were able to show a lot of, uh, of growth in their understanding of bees and what they do and so forth. I think one thing that came out um, of the project once we started reflecting on it too was um, the level of rigor, especially for the math day with the bee bots. Um, that there was some like productive struggle, I think is what we like to call it, where there, it was a little difficult for the kids at first, but um, that, that doesn't mean that you don't do it, um, but that you give them the opportunities and some steps and some support and scaffolding to do that hard thing. And so, you know, in the first minutes where they're doing some technological play and exploration, they may be hitting some walls where they're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this, but they work together. They had, you know, some support from the MTSU students or different, they had different things where they could end up breaking through that wall and doing something really exciting and difficult. And I think that at the end, they were proud of themselves for that. And uh, how do you assess what the university students got out of it and the extent to which they absorbed the whole concept of integrated units of study? That's a great question. Did either one of you want to chime in first? Or do you want me? Well, I was Dr. ready to say you, ready you to go say because it, that was your, you were the one teaching the class that <laughs> semester. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. So the, the one of the main parts was their their lesson plans themselves, you know, that they did with the particular, you know, their their day and getting to apply that that learning then, and then um, reflectively after after the um, the lessons were over and we were back in class, you know, our, ourselves, we, there was um, a lot of debriefing and and then. We also turned around then and they did this the same three days with another second grade class, but they did all three days. They each took different different pieces and different parts parts of it. So we were able to to watch them apply their their learning and um, all of us, uh, the three of us, as well as other colleagues of ours are um, big on on application as assessment, not necessarily a, a paper and pencil test, so to speak. Yeah. 
time for another break. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about uh, a paper that was uh, published in the May-June 2021 issue of Science and Children. Doctors Jeremy Winters and Tracy Huddleston and Dr. Katie Schrote, all from the Department of Education here at MTSU, uh, took some second graders uh, in the Murfreesboro City School System who were learning about bees and showed that opportunity as a, a chance to use integrated units of study to help them learn and to help education students at the university learn about teaching. Um, how did the kids react to the fact that it was the queen bee who runs the hive? Uh, it seems like we're getting a little lesson about uh, how, not only how important they are to the ecosystem, but about the fact that uh, the male of the species is not dominant in each and every situation. Well, I don't I don't know if I heard anybody necessarily say that, but it is pretty funny that it's named the drone, the drone bee. They they kind of, you know, they lay around and the queen bee is the busy is the busy worker. Um so it it is pretty interesting. I don't know that they quite got that that um concept yet, but they really did focus in a lot on the ripple effects, I think, from the bees. Um, and some of these kids, like you could tell it was like clicking for them. Okay, well, if there's no bees, then there's no plants, then there's no food for us to eat. And it's like, oh, goodness, like, I'm getting a little worried here. Now let's make our posters so everybody can take care of these bees. Um, so that was interesting to see them kind of think beyond just like the bumblebee that stink stung you in your backyard, like that they are important to our whole ecosystem. Yeah. And of course, anytime you, you know, when you have a paper that's published, that means the work was done a little before that. And so I'm trying to kind of recreate and visualize the moment. And I think kind of to your question that came out when the APRS was there visiting and was talking a little bit. And I, I do think there was a little bit of reaction from the students. I don't know that we necessarily had that in writing from them or anything that came out. But I do kind of remember some of the students, you know, some of the, the girls looking around at the guys and kind of like, you know, yeah, nodding their head. And, <laughs> but I do think that the APRS really did um, made a big impact on the students um, in hearing what they do. And I remember one of the little uh, boys in the back of the room who, you know, tends to, he, he, he may not be your traditional student. And I remember afterwards, you know, him saying, I now want to be an APRS when I grow up, you know, and so that was kind of cool. 
how can other researchers use your report uh, for conducting research uh, into studies of related areas, sort of using what you all have done as sort of a jumping off point to uh, explore areas that didn't come within the purview of this particular study? As, as education you know, professors, I think Dr. Huddleston kind of mentioned this, we're really a lot about application and we like writing for teachers and we kind of like being on the ground with teachers. You know, we, we like creating these authentic experiences for our students. Um, and so one great way for teachers and, you know, education professor professors, they could just take what we wrote and implement it themselves. That's one thing they could do. Um, you know, that is, it's kind of there. So other people could, could try it out in their classrooms and see um, what they can do. They could use some of our frameworks um, for planning um, and reflection. Um, I really, going back to kind of how we assess the, our students, um, when we were going through, combing through this data, we had lots of pictures, we had lots of videos, we had lots of student data. Um, our students were also, you know, our graduate assistants were also helping us reflect and look at these. And I think that's a really cool opportunity um, if you can get your students involved in that reflection piece. What of this went well? What of this could we do better next time? You know, we love, we never think we got it perfect. And so, you know, what could we do again? Or what's another topic that we can come at with this angle? Um, you know, and so we learn different things like, oh, let's not make everything easy for the kids. Like we want productive struggle. Let's, you know, connect with um, the final day being centers, connect with their, your community members, like the apieros. Like there's so many little things that I think we took from it that um, someone else who was doing some similar work might be inspired by. Perhaps these were the perfect focal point for integrated units of study because uh, it's not enough just to say bees make honey, it's enough, uh, it's uh, important to see how they are an integrated part of the entire ecosystem and how everything is connected. Uh, there are some grown-ups who haven't seemed to have grasped that concept yet, so the kids are one up on them, probably. Uh, the article is in the May-June 2021 issue of Science and Children. Our guests have been Dr. Jeremy Winders, Tracy Huddleston, and Katie Schrote. Thank you all for being our guest on MTSU on the Rec. Thank you so Thank much. You. for having us. We'll be right back. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. MTSU's recent Constitution Week celebration, organized by the American Democracy Project, welcomed a trio of guests to discuss how Tennessee is playing a critical role in our nation's civic culture. 
One of those panelists, Shauna Singh Huey, president of the nonpartisan group Think Tennessee, explained how Tennesseans need to help move toward more nonpartisan redistricting of our state. Do I think that the nonpartisan redistricting commissions are working really well in other states and taking some of the politics out of this inherently political issue? Absolutely. Do I think that Tennessee is going to have a nonpartisan redistricting commission right now? No. So instead, what we will focus on is first, let's bring some public engagement and some transparency into this process and allow citizens sort of a window in and a voice in it. And then as we see these nonpartisan redistricting commissions, which are pretty common around the country now, you know, there's been more than a dozen of them, maybe we'll see that that is a method that works. Right now, what we know is states all over the South, the General Assemblies are holding public meetings from one side of the state to another, dozens and dozens of them. That's what we'd like to see first, our own General Assembly going out into the state, not just in Nashville, giving people an opportunity to have a voice. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU On The Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.